What is up, producers? And welcome to the Sound Out Academy podcast. It's a show where we speak with successful artists, producers, and industry people to really learn how they do what they do. This week was a really special episode as I spoke with David Kim. David is the founder of a PR agency known as David Kim Projects, and he's worked with some of the most successful artists in the game, including Axwell, Ingrosso, Alesso, AC Slater, Brass Tracks, Grand Theft, Crane, and so many more. In this episode, we dive deep into how he helps these artists take their brand and music to the next level, as well as advice he has for upcoming producers hoping to make a name for themselves in the industry. Here are five key takeaways you'll have from this episode. Number one, the benefits of working with the PR team. Number two, how to cut through the noise in such a crowded industry. Number three, what it means to create a successful brand. Number four, the value of networking. Number five, what it takes to make it in the music industry. For this week's show notes, you can go to sound.academy slash blog. We're writing in-depth show notes for each episode, really teasing out all the key points and synthesizing all the takeaways to make it as easy as possible for you to read and digest. And lastly, if you enjoy this week's show, it would be amazing if you gave us an honest rating and review on iTunes. You can do that by simply visiting sound.academy slash iTunes. Now, without any further ado, let's get into this week's show. So, David, can you give us a little bit of background of exactly how you got started in the music industry? Sure. Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, I have been in the music industry for the better part of the past decade. Um, I started off being on a street team for a local club. Um, I thought I would be a DJ at some point, um, and clearly I, it didn't work out, which didn't, it's not the worst thing, you know, but uh uh, I, I've, I've worked at a, diff- a lot of different places. I started off as an intern at Sire Records, which is a Warner Music Group record label. Um, I worked in entry-level positions for a creative artist agency after watching Entourage uh, multiple times. I thought I'd be an agent. I thought it would be so cool. That didn't work out. Um, you know, I've, I've hopped around just, just because I wanted to learn a lot, and I wasn't really sure what my place was. Um, but more than anything, I think right now I'm, I'm running – a PR agency with a team of five. Um, I have a bunch of artists uh, that we're very, very passionate about. Um, a couple of labels that are kind of changed the way that uh, labels are seen in, in our industry and how they promote music. And, you know, we try to stay progressive and we try to stay passionate and have a lot of empathy for our artists. And, you know, that's the name of the game of what we're doing now and kind of how I got to this position in the first place. Uh, hopefully that answers your question. Absolutely. Uh, who are just a couple examples of some of the artists or labels you've worked with since starting your agency? Uh, so my first client ever uh, was Matt Nash. Um, I also worked with Jason Ross, who's an Injuna Beats artist and Boombox Cartel. Uh, I don't work with any of them anymore. Um, they were kind enough to kind of give me a shot in the beginning when I first started doing PR. But once things started picking up, uh, when I was at Magnum, um, I was working with Axwell and Grosso, Alesso. Uh, I started working with Grand Theft. I worked with uh, Emancipator and his label, Lokai Records. Um, yeah, so so we've you know I, I've kind of been through the gauntlet with clients, um, and currently we work with everyone from Manila Killa to Shalou. Uh, we rep Trap Nation's Lowly Palace, Majestic Casual, which is another huge YouTube channel and imprint. Um, 
and yeah, we, we, we try to, you know, be very selective over the artists that we sign and we work with. Um, but we think that we have a, a stable of artists that are, you know, really special and unique. Um, and I'm very thankful for that. Absolutely. That is a roster of extremely impressive artists. Um, when they first contact you, what does that relationship kind of look like? What value does your agency provide for them typically? So I think, um, you know, in this day and age, obviously, uh, there's a lot of publicists out there. You know, a lot of people can find email addresses for someone at a, you know, a dance music blog and, and shoot them a cold email. Um, and that's PR too. I, I don't think there's any, I don't think any exposure is bad unless it's like, you know, quote unquote, actually really bad exposure. Like they did something <laughs> bad. But when, when our artists or our clients generally contact us, it's, it's never, generally speaking, it's not really through the artists themselves, usually through management or through a label. Um, and, you know, we have been fortunate to build the relationship there and eventually, you know, get closer with the artists themselves, get to know them. And that's part of our process too. Um, but, you know, the value that we bring is I think that, um, when you build a team with an artist, uh, it's, it's very easy for people to try and want to do everything on their own. And I think that's something that a lot of artists um, kind of have issues with in, in the beginning of their careers. They don't really know how to delegate uh, responsibilities. And that's where a manager comes into play, you know? Um, so as a publicist, uh, PR is, I think in this day and age where there's so much content and there's, there's so much creativity flowing, that PR offers structure. It also offers legitimacy. Um, and it also offers opportunities for the artist and the artist's brand to be seen by eyes and tastemakers that they generally can't get in touch with themselves. Um, obviously, some artists and some teams can handle this internally in-house, but there's always a point where you know, bringing someone in out of house uh, to, to continue rounding out the team and building the team is essential because uh, not only does it take uh, or not take, but it kind of opens up more time for the artist and manager and, and anybody inside the team to handle their own individual responsibilities to have someone that does PR 24 um, seven and is really championing the artist brand and the artist's music and the art uh, for lack of a better term is that's irreplaceable, you know? Um, and I think that, in the beginning of a career, it's, it's hard to find the right publicist. And for publicists, it's hard to take on a uh, quote unquote smaller artist. Um, but I've seen in the past multiple times when you, when I've worked with an artist for an extended period of time and kind of helped build the brand and promote the music and, and seeing that grow organically, the value of a publicist really shines through. Um, and, and that goes back to, uh, most of the clients that I currently rep, I've been working for an extended period of time. It's because it's not you know, it's not a short-term sprint. It's a marathon. How do we make this sustainable, you know? Um, and what we offer outside of obviously uh, giving a more detailed and kind of pragmatic approach to PR instead of just saying, hey, why don't we just send this to anybody? We offer ideas from our end, things that we've seen have been successful in the past. Um, and at the same time, when artists kind of sign with us, I'd like to hope that it gives them validation and, and credibility to a certain extent because they're joining... Um, not necessarily a collective, but a family of artists that you know we care genuinely a lot about, and we've been able to do good things for. Mm-hmm. So, when you first, if you were to bring on an artist who maybe a little early on in their career, but you see they have a lot of talent, and they're looking to basically go into a relationship with you more long term and help you, like you said, build that sustainable organic audience, what would actually go into creating a strategy for them on your end? Right. So. That's that's a loaded question, you know. I, I like I kind of alluded to before. Um, every client is so different, you know. Um, the number one thing before strategy or anything is 
I tell my staff and I tell my team that, you know, the single most important thing for a publicist to have is, is empathy. Um, I think that art in general is, it has to be emotional for it to be impactful. You know, there's, there's a couple of artist teams out there and labels that I've noticed. Um, I think one of my favorite ones has got to be Mind of a Genius. Uh, the, the way that they do things and they execute things is so... And Bitbird, too. They're, they're very strategic. Everything they put out has some sort of motive behind it. It's not like, let's just put this out for the sake of putting this out, you know? So with our clients in the beginning, before we kind of go into, you know, rollout plans and strategies, um, I like to interview the clients uh, for on my own. I know that's a little unorthodox, but it helps me to understand where they're coming from. It helps me to identify avenues of exposure that we can take outside of just your standard blog press. You know, a lot of people ask me what, what, what's going to like the first four to six weeks in a campaign going to look like. And yeah, we can say on this day, we're going to do this on this day. We're going to have a social media activation. But the most important thing is, like I said, empathy and also being flexible uh, because the media landscape these days is, is kind of volatile. You know, a lot of blogs are shutting down, you know, outlets aren't doing premieres anymore. Certain editors aren't interested in this genre of music, that genre of music. Sometimes people don't even know what genre of music they're making. They, I feel like everybody just calls everything future-based these days, you know? So how do you, <laughs> uh, shots fired, right? <laughs> so how do you really uh, differentiate the artist? And that's my job. That's where I come in. Um, that's where if my artists, you know, I don't really know what the age range is for the listeners to this. And forgive me if I'm kind of speaking out of turn, but you know, if one of my artists smokes a certain strain of weed and gets inspired differently by that strain of weed and he makes a different type of music, then I can approach an outlet like high times and pitch a feature like that. If one of my artists is secretly wants to be a chef and has been kind of developing the skill over the past couple of years, you know, we can do like a live streaming interview with munchies or something like that, you know? So it's about being creative. It's about being, um, what's it called proactive and at the same time uh you know we, we do have a structure and the way that we kind of go about things but i found that in this day and age the way media runs the way artists are you just kind of be got to be on your toes you know you, you can't just try and be like everybody else because everybody else is going to try and do the same thing and you're just going to get kind of lost in the shuffle and that's not what we want mm-hmm. absolutely so it sounds like one of the things you help artists do is kind of reflect internally to figure out what can make help make them unique or what can help differentiate them. Maybe it is this certain strain of weed they have, or maybe it is that they skateboard and when they make their music or something like that. Would you say that's true? Yeah, definitely. I think most artists, they, they're very, um, you know, these, these guys are geniuses. It's, they have a level of creativity and, and thought process that I personally you know, having tried to be a producer, I know that I don't have, I just don't possess it. There's a reason why they're doing it and they're doing it well. And, um, you know, if everybody could do it, then everybody would do it. Uh, But kind of going back to what you were saying, it's, they know who they are. It's just, when it comes to press, um, they don't realize that we can create exposure out of ordinary things. Generally speaking, when they come to me and say, we have this release coming up, yes, we'll get people to write about the single, we'll get people to write about the EP, but if there's something that we can create, like a content piece that we can create, that isn't just about, hey, this song, like, you know, massive drops and booming bass and, you know, all your stereo, the stereotypical standard stuff that you kind of just hear recycled over and over and over again, that's a very, very, very small part of PR. You know, it's part of the process and yeah, you have to respect the process, but I think a good example is Toki Monster put out an interview on Pitchfork about her recovery from brain cancer. And 
that that article i'm i was never even really a fan of tokimon so not because i don't like her music but just because i never really listened to her but reading that article compelled me to find out more about her and 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 sent me to spotify literally to listen to her music you know and that's the type of effect that a good publicist and a good feature can have it's not so much about yes right about the single but it's like how can we make people feel how can we make people understand and and see this process from the artist's eyes and a lot of artists they know they have that they have it in their mind but they don't know how to convey that in a way and they don't even know that that's an option to tell people you know um and and i think that's really important you know that's for for me to to be working in this position where it's it's so based on the heart you know you, I think that obviously we make a lot of business decisions like numbers, 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 analytics, but when does it go back to what music was all about in the beginning? You know, it's intuition. Um, it's what, how, what your gut feels. And I think that PR and kind of how we operate things as an agency and as a company um, and just as a team, it's, we really try to understand and we'll be the first people to tell you if, you know, we're just missing the mark. Um, but that doesn't mean we're giving up that, that just means we have to circle back as a team and hammer it in. Like where, like, what can we do better? You know, if one person says yes, we'll find another person that says, that says, uh, if one person says no, then we'll find someone that says yes. PR is the business of finding solutions to, you know, various things that happen, like a blog shuts down or an editor disappears. And this, this stuff happens so frequently. So uh, it's our job to, you know, manage expectations, work with the artists. And like I said, empathy is, is the most important thing. I think I might've deviated from your initial question, but this is just kind of how I get when I get like really excited about talking about stuff. So I hope you'll excuse me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think what you said is really interesting about kind of what you're saying about Tokimon stuff, about maybe some of the best pieces of content actually evoking some emotion because the best pieces of music tell a story. This is one thing that Kashmir preaches a lot. Um, they make you actually feel something. They bring out this kind of emotion in people. And it sounds like what you're saying is there's also the opportunity for artists to do that with their marketing, with their branding, with the story, not only the song tells, but maybe the story that you can put along with the song and kind of package it as one. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think um, I read a quote somewhere. I forgot exactly where it was. Uh, they said that the, it said the best music e either makes you forget everything or it makes you remember one specific thing. And that, that quote itself made me feel like some type of way, you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I, we, me personally, it's like, I grew up in the whole like quote unquote EDM boom where Swedish house mafia was like sweeping across the country. And like Avicii was like, you know, it, it's just, I remember being at like masquerade motel. I, I remember when it was, maybe it was like in 2010 or 2011, um, or like seeing above and beyond. Like every time I see above and beyond, I weep, I weep like a baby. And it's just cause it's beautiful. You know, it's, it's so emotional. And like some of these guys are so good at doing that. Um, and I'm not saying that it always has to be that way, you know, but from a press angle where, you know, I also blog here and there on the side and my blog promo emails, I, I get almost a thousand emails a day about this song, that song from Germany, from Sweden, from artists I've never heard of. Um, and that's, that's just like publicists, you know, I also have like artists that send me their music on their own through Facebook DM or even Instagram. It's, so it can get pretty overwhelming. So how do you, how do I help my clients, you know, truly shine? It's, I try to let people who know who they are as people, as, as opposed to as artists, because everyone's going to hear that anyway, at some point, you know? Um, 
So yeah, it's, it's, it's a process, but you know, that's why you have a team. That's why you have differing opinions. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it is about what the client wants, but it's also our job to, to tell them if, if we think something will work better. And, and, um, that's, that's probably my favorite part about it. The, the fact that I, I'm able to, you know, offer some counsel and my opinion on things, but, um, and they'll not, they won't necessarily listen, but they'll also, they'll definitely feel it. And it's a team effort. It's always a team effort. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's probably a very collaborative, always evolving effort. It sounds like you're also very reflective and actually analyzing the results of your different campaigns, different launches, things like that. Yeah, I have to admit, man, um, nothing crushes me more than not being able to deliver for a client. You know, it's, I'm not, this isn't a huge agency. I'm not creating a global empire, like PR empire. I don't have, I'm not in this to make a retainer. You know, if I wanted to make money or if anybody wants to make money, then, or specifically myself, it's like, I would have tried to be a stockbroker. You know, that's, they work with money. That's their job. That's why they make a lot of money. But, um, in this case, it's, like I said, I, it just, it, it crushes me. It's like to hear, and it's, it's happened, you know, it's nobody's perfect. And I, I'm not saying this as an excuse by any means, but PR, it can be very volatile. And, um, that's why I said PR is, is the business of finding solutions. I don't want to disappoint clients. And when someone says, no, I, I want to be able to return with, with equally as good as option or, or something that's even better. Uh, because, you know, that's, that's your team. It's like, when, when do you want to ever let your team down? You know, you want to carry your weight and you want the artist to not worry about certain things that might hinder their creative process. Like if they feel negatively about, oh, XYZ blog, like didn't cover this, or, you know, this journalist didn't want to interview me. It's like that kind of, for something that for music and for artists that when they, when they, you know, work on their craft, it, it draws so much emotion. If that emotion is affected, then the craft is affected, you know? So in a sense, it's also my job to, to keep the morale up when I can, how I can. And, um, you know, as much as I manage the relationships with the media, I also manage the relationship with the client. So it's, it's a lot. Um, we wear a lot of hats basically. Sounds like you're probably a pretty busy guy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's busy, busy but happy. I'm, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm really thankful. It's, I, I, I can't think of how my life could be better at this point. You know, we're all ambitious and we want to do bigger and better things, and I want to do right by my clients. And but if they're winning, then I'm winning. You know, and that's something that I realized very, very quickly in music. It's you can, you can try to do it all on your own, and you might get you know, if you get lucky, you'll get relatively far, but it's a person business, uh, just as much as any other business is. but, you know, a lot of emotion and everyone says, well, not everyone, but some people say like, there's no, there's no money in music, but like there is, you just have to be good at what you do and you have to keep working at it. And I think people just give up, tend to give up way too quickly. Mm-hmm. I think that's goes with a lot of things, not just yeah. music. people are very ambitious and, until it comes to doing the work. But I, th- I think you touched on an important point, which is the relationships in the music industry. So I guess for a producer who maybe they've been producing for a year in their bedroom, maybe not really investing any time at all in building relationships. What kind of relationships do you think would be valuable for them to build early on in their career? And if you were them, how would you go about actually doing that? Right. Um, so I'd be lying if I told you there was a blueprint to this. Uh, I think that it's something that 
probably yourself and myself dealt with at some point, you know, even if you, it's not like you wanted to be a DJ, but like me wanting to be a DJ, be a producer and like get a career in the music industry. It's like networking. Everyone always says like, you're, you've heard this definitely. Your network is your net worth, you know, mm-hmm. as cliche as that sounds, it's so true. <laughs> you know, it's, it's almost so scarily true. It's, I don't think that anything that I've worked on or been able to accomplish with my team or that the artists have been able to accomplish would have happened unless there was someone that was just willing to, to give it a chance. Um, so with these, with these upcoming producers, obviously the internet makes it, ex- it's pretty much accessible to reach out to anybody, you know? And I think that um, while that, is definitely a benefit. I think it can also be slightly detrimental because when you're so connected with people, uh, you almost lose the sense of professionalism in a sense. So I've noticed an ongoing trend of, you know, the, the younger generation of upcoming producers, the way that they reach out to people is it can be a little abrasive. It can be a little, you know, it can lack courtesy almost. And professionalism is always appreciated, you know, um, especially if you're reaching out to someone you've never met. And I think that's probably my biggest lesson to anybody that's reaching out to someone that they don't know, and they probably will never meet in their entire lives. Um, don't just send stuff to people for the sake of sending it to them, you know, be patient, have respect for their time, have respect for all the time that you put into what you made, um, and send it to people that, you know, genuinely would be a fit. So it's not kind of just like, spam you know we're not we're not cold callers this this is art we're talking about so all these people it's i would encourage them to be enthusiastic i would encourage them to not give up because too many like i said too many people give up when it comes to working with professionals and and trying to get your name out there and networking in in the professional sense you have to be a professional you know you can't send them broken links you can't you know, say ridiculous things in an email or randomly friend request someone and then invite them to your Facebook page without like even shooting them an intro message, you know, like little things like that will, will make a big difference. Um, and it might not seem like it in the beginning, but I wish someone had told me this in the beginning, you know, <laughs> uh, cause I used to kind of just, you know, tweet people and randomly Facebook ad people and, Sometimes some people are cool with it, but in, in reality, in a, in a business of working with other professionals and other people who are kind of trying to accomplish the same thing, you know, they might not have time to respond. And, and that's, that's just kind of how the way it goes. Um, so you have to be patient, you have to stay committed, um, and you have to have a little bit of respect for what everyone else is doing. Because you know, when you're in your own little world and you're making music and you're reaching out to strangers, it can be very overwhelming. It can be very lonely. Being an entrepreneur, it can be very, very lonely. And, and that weighs on your heart and that weighs on your head. Um, but, you know, ev- like I said, every little step counts. And if you do it right and you, you give every step a little bit of consideration, um, and that'll show, and that'll show quick. You know, I've, I've seen producers blow up in a year, two years, four years. You know, it's that's not a long time. Um, so you just got to stay the course. It's it's tough, but at the end of the day, if if you're tougher, then you'll make it. And you know, that's probably the best advice that I can give. Absolutely, I think that goes back to what you were saying earlier about about quitting. You know, it's so easy to just kind of struggle for your first six months or a year and just kind of basically give up, whatever, get a corporate job after college, but the, the the best producers in the world go through those same struggles. You know, Skrillex was almost homeless living in his car 
Um, yeah, but they're tougher. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's about how bad you want it. It's, it's not just about music, you know, everything in our world generally tends to be like that. And I found that to be the case just because, you know, a lot of people talk about what they want. They're like, I want this, I want to do this. And they talk about their plans, but there's such a big difference between wanters and doers. And I think that if you look at the people that kind of lead the music industry and they're kind of crushing it, they're all doers, you know, or they're wanters and they're, they know how to create a team of doers and they all unify towards a common goal and they crush. So, you know, upcoming artists either create a team that, that can really support you on your rise to the top, a committed team that will put you in your place, but at the same time, you know, encourage your growth and challenge you. Um, that's really important. Your team is so important. And secondly, you know, your, your art is your art. Um, I, I, I listened to an interview with Adele uh, a couple of months ago and she was saying how in the beginning, everybody told her, uh, you need to do it this way. You need to work this way. You know, maybe you should change it this way. And in the beginning she had to, because she was just starting, but then she got to a point where, you know, she won her a billion Grammys and like the entire world fell in love with her. And then people still telling her, you need to do this or you need to do this way. And she was just like, no, I'm going to do it my way. You know, this is my art. And I respect the shit out of that. You know, she, she put in the hours and she really worked to get to a certain point and now she's reaping the rewards. And I think, um, on a much scarier, smaller scale, a lot of my artists are, you know, reaping the rewards, getting booked at bigger festivals, you know, getting signed to labels and like to see that and see how happy it is and happy they are and you know, how, how proud they are. That's, that's validation for me that like the little bits that I do, I'm doing the right thing. And like, that's really all I care about at the end of the day. Absolutely. Yeah. That must be extremely fulfilling for you. For sure, man. It's, it's, um, it's a grind, but if if anybody can do it, then anybody would do it. That's kind of the way I look at it. And, um, you know, I personally, I don't, music is the only thing that ever made sense. You know, it's just, it's the only thing that I didn't get confused about that. I, I never once doubted. I want to do something in my life with music. I just didn't know what it was. And I think a lot of people, younger, younger professionals feel that way about working music. They just don't really know how to go about it. And, you know, it's, it's never, it's never the last straw is basically what I'm saying. Like uh, there was a point where I had 75 cents in my bank account and I called my mom crying and I was like, mom, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know? And it's not like my mom's going to be like, Oh, let me call like, you know, the president of Atlantic and he'll give you a job. But she, like she drove down to my apartment and she sat me down and she was like, you need to get your shit together. And that was enough to be like, okay, like what do I have to do? I revamp my resume. You know, I, I started like quote unquote networking on LinkedIn, which was more like kind of cold calling, but I didn't really know what else to do. It's it's just a matter of doing it. Like I said before, you just have to do it. There's no substitute. Mm -hmm. Is there any advice that you might have given to yourself back then when you were maybe first figuring out that music was the path you wanted to pursue? What advice might you have given yourself kind of make your path to where you are today easier? (sighs) There's a lot. (laughs) Um, I think the most important thing though is um, kind of what I was saying before, just uh, it, it kind of goes in hand with not giving up uh, something that I tell myself even now. And I kind of tell my team and on a daily basis, if you don't believe in yourself then nobody's going to, you know, and, and as kind of harsh and abrasive as that sounds, you, Yes, there's a process of getting to know your abilities and growing as a professional, but you know, that, that's understandable. That's, that's a given. Everybody goes through that. Um, but I've kind of found that the people that 
that find the best results and can kind of push through stuff and like really grit their teeth and believe in themselves over anything else. That's it. You know, it's like you're, you're kind of all you've got at the end of the day. Uh, This is, I don't want to be this to be taken out of context, but like if you don't put in the effort, then who's going to, nobody's going to, you know? And if you don't truly believe and work towards crushing your goals, then nobody's going to help you. Because somebody else is going to come along and, and, you know, embody that. And that kind of positive, proactive energy is, is super endearing and it draws people in. Um, so for myself, I'd say keep going to the gym, you know, definitely. <laughs> or like start going to the gym a lot earlier in my life. Uh, but all, the, all jokes aside, it's, you know, believe in yourself and just keep working at it. Because at some point, something is going to click. If you really, really try hard and you really believe in yourself, something is going to click. Either it clicks that this isn't for you or something clicks and it works out for you, you know. But like I said, you just have to do it. Um, and And I feel kind of bad for myself thinking about myself, you know, 10 years ago. But uh, I also think that everything that I went through led me to this point. And for that, I'm very, very, very thankful. Absolutely. We wouldn't be who we are today without our mistakes and everything we learned along the way. Absolutely. I 100% agree. Uh, David, is there, I mean, you've worked with some of the best artists in the game, Axwell and Engrosso. I mean, you're working with artists like Crane now. Is there anything that you see those artists doing differently, maybe that you're helping them do differently to enable them to cut through the noise that you think would also be applicable to maybe just the one man show bedroom producer, just getting ready to start out on a marketing campaign for their EP or something like that. Right. So I think, um, kind of what I was saying before about every client being different, uh, Axwell and Gross are obviously global icons, you know, everyone here, Swedish house mafia. I just got chills down the back of my neck. Just, you know, it's just saying, um, and, you know, Axwell is the guy that got me into the industry. Um, but with all due respect, I, the bigger artists are almost so big that um, their teams, kind of what I was going saying before about teams, their teams are so efficient at what they do, where PR isn't as much of a creative process. It's more so plugging in the holes and contributing to the team effort. Doesn't that make sense? Mm-hmm. But when art, with an artist like Crane, Crane is... How do I describe this guy? He is as much an entrepreneur as I am. I mean, he makes his own samples. He sells them like his, his full length debut album like this. The guy's freaking incredible. You know, it's for an artist that, you know, isn't quote unquote on a level of an actual engrosso to be able to have this like crazy skill set. Whereas a bigger artist would, would kind of delegate different things to different people on this team. Crane is the type of guy that, will do everything himself and do it freaking phenomenally, you know? And I think that's something that I've seen really sets uh, some of the artists that I work with apart. Um, guys like Brass Tracks, guys like Shalou, um, and guys like AC Slater. I mean, AC had an opportunity to run with a certain genre or sound that nobody was really making, you know, this, this kind of... Um, the whole night bass movement. Yeah, night bass. And, you know, the, his his... His LP was called Outsiders because in the beginning he felt like an outsider because nobody was really listening to music, but he kept doing it. He kept sticking to it and he got really good at what he does, you know? So um, I think that that's what sets some of these, you know, these guys apart. Shalou, especially, 
everything like branding wise, just everything rollout wise is so meticulously curated by the artist and like anything part of the creative process is them. You know, there's nothing that is kind of just put out for the sake of, you know, just doing it. It's like, and I think that's really important. I think, um, I've been approached by like, Hey, we're just putting out this song because like we need to put out a song. It's like, you know, that's, with all due respect, like that's a horrible fucking idea. Okay. <laughs> First of all, you're, you're wasting that song. Second of all, it's like for what to get what a couple thousand plays. You're not going to get paid off of that, you know? So to have artists that care so much and that really pour themselves into their art, you know, that's, that's incredibly rare these days. And the bigger an artist gets, the less time they have to do that. And that's kind of a problem, you know? Um, but to answer your question, it's, yeah, I feel like my artists and my clients, they're just, they're so self-aware of like, you know, this is what I want to do. This is how we're going to do it well. And they bring it to, when they bring it to me, it's like, what can we do from here? You know? And, and that's what, that's what excites me. I'm like, okay, let's, let's attack, you know, like this is, this is what I think is a good idea. This is a good look. And, um, you know, for, for upcoming producers, it's, I, when it comes to control of the art of, of their creative vision, it's like, keep that close to your heart as much as possible. You're going to need help no matter what. And people are going to offer you advice, but kind of what I was going back to what I was saying about the, uh, the whole Adele thing, it's, your brand is, is all you, you know, it's, if, if it messes up, then unfortunately that's, that's on you. It really is. Um, so you should be selfish. You should be stingy. Um, but that doesn't mean don't be open-minded, you know, it just means you should really care and you should really, uh, have a motive for everything that you do. Um, because that kind of meticulous planning and, and having an idea of what you're trying to accomplish and like crossing the checklist off, you know, one goal at a time, it's, that's so important. It also helps to keep things in perspective because then you'll realize, Hey, I'm making progress at the end of six months, at the end of a quarter, you can say, okay, we accomplished this as a team. What else do we have to do moving forward? And, um, I feel like I'm going on another tangent again. This is am I making any sense? <laughs> yeah, you are. And all this, all the knowledge you're dropping on us is super valuable. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, one of the themes it seems like I'm hearing, especially when you're talking about Shalu, like I saw you got a recent article about his uh, song find, and it sounds like what's really helped him and some of the other artists you've mentioned separate themselves from all the noise is being not only being very deliberate with kind of what they do with their brand, but creating a package around these things. You know, it's not just about the sound design on your base. It's about your brand. It's about the kind of emotions you can convey to your listeners. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, Shalu is um, everything from the pre-listen pitch link that I send out is just so pristine, you know? I've been working with them for what, two, two, three months now. Um, and the first time that they said, Hey, this is the first thing we're going to put out. It had its own domain name. All the press shots were hyperlinked into that one. Like it was just so clean and so efficient and it kind of blew my mind. I was like, this, this is why this Spotify loves this guy. He's on a billboard in times square. You know, he has over 85 million plays. Like stuff like that doesn't just happen. You know, it's, Yes, there's a little bit of luck involved, but because they work hard and I, I 
So Shalou actually opened for one of my clients last year when they were touring in New York. And that's how I kind of connected with their management full circle. Now he just had his debut sold out headlining tour for four dates in four major markets. Um, and I saw him for the second time, uh, this time as, as a headliner for the first time, you know, in New York this past weekend. And man, it's one thing to, you know, sit on my laptop and listen to a song over and over again and like talk to people on a daily basis and say, Hey, what can we do about this? But then seeing it live, you know, that's such vindication for me that like this guy is, is truly something special, you know? And then speaking with him, so humble, um, you know, that's, that's an artist, man. You know, that's, that's a, that's a modern day rock star. It's like seeing things like that. Uh, you know, it's so inspiring. Um, and it makes, it makes me feel like, uh, how do I say this? Just there's, there's really so much good music out there. You know, it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of circulate on the airwaves a lot, but you know, there's, there's real artists out there that are doing it the right way. And, you know, some people just don't really take the time to try and find them. Um, and I, you know, that's kind of on them though. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, David, this has been extremely insightful and you provided us with a ton of amazing insight. I think the producers in our community are really going to enjoy. And if they want to learn more about you, if they want to learn more about David Kim Projects, your agency, where can they find you online? Um, you know, I'm always open to people reaching out and just starting a conversation. Kind of what I was saying before, it's uh, I want to help. You know, it's uh, I understand how it feels to have not people... Uh, have people not respond to you and that can be pretty uh, frustrating. So you can always reach out to me on any of my social media networks at David KNYC um, for any information with the company, uh, it's just www.davidkim.biz. Um, and all our clients are on there, you know, campaign results, uh, testimonials from past clients, all the good stuff that you'll need to know about, you know, hiring a potential publicist. And we also have some like uh, information on what a publicists can potentially do for you. And I found that that kind of helps with upcoming artists and just to give people a reference point. Awesome. We will link all of those in the show notes on sound.academy for any producers who want to check that out. Uh, but yeah, David, thanks again for coming on. Guys, thank you very much for having me. You know, uh, I, like I said, I'm not, I don't think I'm a you know, guru by any means, but I'm here to help. Uh, and I, I, th- I hope you guys, you know, really love the music that my guys are putting out and, Um, if anybody wants to connect, feel free to reach out. I'd love to. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And once again, if you have a couple of free minutes this week, it would be amazing if you gave us an honest rating and review on iTunes. You can do that just by visiting sound.academy slash iTunes. That's it for us, guys. I hope you have an amazing rest of your week, and we'll see you next time on the Sound.Academy podcast.